talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Welcome to Rock Your Retirement. This is the show where we talk about what you need besides money before you retire. Or if you're already retired, we can help give you some ideas about how to have a better retirement. Remember, there are other things to think about besides money when dealing with retirement. And if you'd like to have a more interactive experience, join our private Facebook group by searching for Rock Your Retirement Community on Facebook. Our guest for today is Alan Spector. And since retiring from a successful 33-year executive career with Procter & Gamble, Alan has found and manages three businesses, is the author of five books, is a blogger about retirement on three sites, and is deeply involved with social service organizations, community initiatives to reduce violence, and education programming. He's a management consultant, baseball player, nonprofit board member, frequent traveler, speaker, blogger, and most importantly, the active and proud grandfather of four. And the reason why I asked him to come on the show is he is the co-author, along with Keith Lawrence, of the book, Your Retirement Quest, 10 Secrets for Creating and Living a Fulfilling Retirement. That's a mouthful. Welcome to the show, Alan. Thanks, Kathy. I appreciate it. Looking forward to the conversation. Me too. So tell me, what made you write this book? As you mentioned, Keith Lawrence and I are both retired executives from the Procter & Gamble Company. And while we were still working, in preparation for our own retirements, we began to interview our colleagues who had already made the leap. And we asked them what was working, what wasn't working. And we got unpleasantly surprised that the retirement that we were looking forward to was, in many cases, for our colleagues, uh, a problem. They were bored, they were frustrated, they were sitting around watching television, they weren't doing the kinds of things that we were looking forward to. And so Keith and I decided, hey, for our own benefit, we need to do some learning about what makes up a a great retirement. And we started reading the books and looking at the retirement-relevant research, and we interviewed more colleagues and more non-Procter & Gamble people. And we ended up learning enough that we said, you know, maybe we can share what we've learned with some others. And at the time, both of us were living in Cincinnati, and we put together a couple of workshops, and we shared it with others. And folks were coming up after our workshops and saying, hey, where can we buy your book? And the answer was, we don't have one. And although (laughs) I'd I'd been writing up until that point, I had a couple of books under my belt. We decided that we think we have a, a good story to tell and we can help people think about the non-financial side of retirement. Why not write the books? That's what led to it, Kathy. Well, I think that is so cool that you have done that because that's the whole reason why I started this show. Now, I'm not retired, but in the business that I'm in, I've seen plenty of people retired and I found that same thing that you found to be true, that many people retired And it didn't matter how much money they had. They might have been, you know, sitting on a a huge yacht or living in a humongous house. And they might have had a worse retirement than my client down the street who was living in a mobile home. 
So when you were researching, what did you find out that some of these aspects were that people need to think about before they retire? Well, one thing that we settled on was a premise that has stood the test of time for us as we have not only written the book, but over the last, uh, since 2010, when the book was published, we've been continuing to run workshops on this subject matter and primarily work with financial services firms who want to make sure that their, their clients are thinking about more than just the money, similar to what you just described. And the, the premise that we developed, and again, it's the one that stood the test of time is, is that most people, like ourselves when we first started on this journey, are really unaware of the challenges and the opportunities that are in front of them. And those who have done any planning at all tend to have focused mostly just on the finances. And while the finances are important, they're only one of a number of factors that are important to developing a full and fulfilling retirement. And in fact, what Keith and I put together was uh, what we call the 10 key elements of a fulfilling retirement. And financial security is one of those, but again, it's only one of the 10. We can walk through those if that would be helpful for you, or uh, be glad to follow your lead on, uh, on where you might want to head here with those. So what Alan was talking about is the fact that he put together this fantastic freebie for you called the 10 Key Elements of a Fulfilling Retirement. And we're going to talk about as many of those as we can today, but just in case we can't get to all of them, and obviously we can't do a deep dive today in all of those, you can get this on my website, rockyourretirement.com slash not money. So thank you so much, Alan, for putting that together. And yes, we can try to get through as many of these as we can today. How does that sound? That sounds great. We can take them one at a time. Great. Okay. Well, tell us what they are. If you want to list them all and then we can go back and talk about each of them, that's fine. Sure. That'd be great. So recall that I was mentioning that our premise was that many of the people who enter retirement, whether they're looking forward to it or they're actually already in retirement, uh, aren't aware of the challenges and opportunities that might be in front of them. And many of them do some planning, but tend to focus only on the finances. What we have found is that if, and this is the first key element, we call it life plan. What we have found is that if, in fact, you put together a practical, holistic, and I'll come back to that word holistic in a moment, and written life plan that deals with both your finances and the nine financial aspects of retirement, you significantly increase the odds of, of living the retirement that you've worked so hard to deserve. So that's the premise, and it's also the first key element, and that is having a plan that you can refer to. And, and you can learn more about that plan Kathy, if you don't mind, I can mention our website. At yourretirementquest.com, you can learn a little bit more about what it means to put this plan together. There are some tools on the site that you can refer to, and certainly we walk you through the whole process in the book, uh, Your Retirement Quest. But the first key element is having a life plan. And there are two key words that I mentioned in there that I'd like to go back and revisit here, Kathy. One of them is holistic. And what we mean by that, sometimes that's an overused word, but what we mean by that is bringing all of these key elements into your life in some way, not just picking and choosing and doing one of the 10 or two of the 10, 
but to the extent that you can bring all of them into your life, our experience, and now having worked with thousands of retirees and pre-retirees, the more the merrier. This may be a way to think about that. <laughs> the other one is uh, the word written. I mentioned that having a written plan is important, and the reason for that is all of the research shows that if you have a plan for anything, if you write it down, you're five times more likely to do that plan. So we encourage people to write it down, and we provide tools to help you do that. And it's very simple and doesn't take a lot of time, but it, uh, at the end of the day, you end up with something that's very meaningful for you. So our first key element is life plans. Does that kind of make sense to you, Kathy? Absolutely. I know that you're more than familiar with uh, financial plans, and sometimes we're surprised in workshops that many people entering retirement also don't have a financial plan that's written down, and both of those are important. And again, the key is having them in writing, and, and that just helps a lot. So the first key element is life is having a life plan. Let me go through all 10 of them very quickly and then tell you what, I'll let you pick which one you want to cover first. That work for you? That sounds great. The remaining nine key elements are understanding your life purpose and values uh, and then acting on that. The third key element is attitude, having a positive attitude. The fourth is well-being. What are you doing to make sure that you have the energy to do the things that you want to do. Not surprisingly, a key element, as we talked, is financial security. The next key element is what we call connectedness. You can think about this as relationships. The next one is giving back. That is being part of something greater than yourself and helping in your community. And there are some specifics we can talk about on on what makes that more valuable to you as the person who's doing the giving back. The eighth key element is passions. Do you understand and know what your passions are, and are you acting on those? The ninth is growth, and that's not about physical growth. That's about intellectual growth. Oh, it's not about the fact that I gain five pounds every year? Uh, no, that's not. I'm actually working on, a, uh, on my next book is about retirement also, but the retirement elite athlete, mm-hmm. and many of them do have a growth problem when they stop working out seven days a week. So, no, this is not about that kind of growth. That, that fits part of the well-being part. Uh, it's about intellectual stimulation. And then the tenth one is just the word fun. Do you have things in your life that are just plain fun to do? So those are the 10 key elements. Is there one you'd like to spend a little bit extra time on first? Yeah, I'd like to start with well-being. Cool. Now, you're a baseball player, right? I am. I'm playing with kids my own age uh, (laughs) in retirement here. But yeah, so I still play and I'm in the gym four times a week for a couple of hours. And that's one of the things that retirement allowed me to do was to uh, return to a regimen that I was much more comfortable with is we all know that's harder to do when we're when we're working. Well-being, that's part of well-being. Uh, it was interesting as, as Keith and I looked at this concept of well-being, we knew that there had to be something about that in this list. But people think about well-being very differently. Some people think about it as just pure health, you know, are you disease-free? Some people think about it as physical fitness. We came across a concept that, that we really... Uh, found compelling, and that's the concept of energy. And there's actually a a group called the Energy Project, led by a gentleman named Tony Schwartz, who was kind enough to write a foreword for our book for us. 
Tony and the Energy Project folks have identified four components that make up overall energy, and I'll share what those are in a moment, but the idea is if we have all these plans for retirement and there's things that we want to do, have we put in place the daily habits to create energy today to do those things we want to do, but also project that we'll have that energy in the future? So for us, well-being is the daily habits that create physical energy. Another is emotional energy. A third is mental energy. And the fourth is energy of purpose. Um, and there are daily habits that you can put in place. We don't have time today to work through them all, but I think you can imagine what some of those might be to, to put those in place to make sure you do have the energy you need now and well into your future. So that's how we think about well-being. Uh, as opposed to it being perhaps just, again, um, disease-free or physically fit. There's a lot of components that go into that. So is it things that people might think of as woo-woo, like yoga, meditation, those kind of things, or is it something else? No, it can be that. It, it's it, And again, it's different for different people. One of the general concepts that overall that we talk about in terms of planning for retirement is that retirement is like fingerprints. Each of our retirement plans is different. So you'll never hear me saying uh, or Keith saying, this is the retirement plan you should have, and here's how it makes a difference for you. Uh, but, uh, but rather what's right for your particular circumstances. So for example, if you're looking at emotional energy, it could be as simple as, are you saying please and thank you? Do you have a, a gratitude journal that many people have that you enter information into every night that says, here's what you're thankful for? Simple things like that. Physical energy certainly could be, do you have an aerobic and strength and flexibility plan and that you follow daily habits of nutrition and sleep and those sorts of things? So each of those quadrants has uh, different daily habits. Yoga provides perhaps more than one element, as an example. That's why you can't just say, well, this is where that fits in. Yoga can be both physical as well as uh, energy of purpose or spiritual energy. So uh, it depends on what might work for you in each of those quadrants. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So thank you for explaining that. I'm sure that your book goes into it in great detail, correct? Yes, and we have lists of what possible daily habits might be important for you. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for that. And uh, we do some of these on the private Facebook group that we have for our listeners. For example, we we have Gratitude Sunday. So if they're great. not, um, yeah, so if, if people aren't actually keeping a journal, they could at least post on Sundays their gratitude days. That's great. And one of the things that we want to make sure that people don't think about doing is spending your whole retirement planning your retirement. This is about how do you keep things simple, but just continue to move in the right direction to improve how things are going for you. And over the course of time, you'll be rocking your retirement. Absolutely. So let me ask you then, because you're a professional, I just started doing this for fun. So these are the challenge days that we have on the Rocky Retirement Private Group, that it's current, it, it's always subject to change. But right now, what we do is Mutt Mondays. <laughs> so people talk about their pets. Nice. We do Travel Tuesdays. So people talk about places they've been, places they want to go, or places they are planning on going. Wednesdays, we have Wellness Wednesdays. <laughs> 
So even if we're failing, which is me a lot of the time, (laughs) we post what we're doing for wellness. And on Thursdays, we do volunteer days. So I think uh, that would be in the giving back section of your 10 key elements. Fridays, we have free stuff days. So I don't think that's in any of your 10 key elements. It's just something that we do for fun, where we talk about all the free things that you can do. Fun is a key element. Right. Okay. So it'd be I should maybe say fun Friday free stuff. And then on Saturdays, we talk about sandwich generation issues because a lot of, I'm sure you're aware of this, a lot of baby boomers are also taking care of their children or maybe even grandchildren while they're trying to be retired. That's an awesome point. I mean, one of the things we do in our workshops, Kathy, is up front is we share with people what many of the challenges are. And family dynamics is a key part of that, whether it's adult children, aging parents, whether it's personal relationship issues, getting ahead of those and and considering all of that in your planning is an important thing to do. And it's, it's pretty powerful that if, in fact, you consider those things, typically you can find a better way to manage them than just kind of letting them letting them happen to you. I want to go back to the days that you're spending on your Facebook. The challenges. Yeah, and and commend you for that. One of the things that we have found is that people spend more time planning a one-week vacation than they do planning the rest of their lives. I know, it's crazy. What you're doing, I think, is giving people a great opportunity to learn from others about what they're doing in their lives. And frequently, that's reapplicable into our own lives. So, for example, on your travel day, the fact that people are sharing where they've gone allows the other folks to say, hey, that's something I want to put on my bucket list. And the simple form of a bucket list is a good way to think about planning your retirement. What, you know, kind of what's on your bucket list. And so, yeah, I, I love your challenge days. I think it's great. Well, great. We'll send you an invite and you can help us participate. <laughs> to. Great. Well, thank you. Um, Okay, so we've talked about well-being. I'd love to talk about connectedness next. That's so important. So connectedness has, think about it as maybe a couple of different dimensions. One is perhaps less critical than the other, but it's still important. So let let me cover the less critical one first. One of the things that many retirees do when they retire is to think about, you know, where do I want to live? What might my living conditions be if I want to stay in the same city, that sort of thing. And thinking about where your connections are is an important way to to help make those decisions. So, for example, we've got lots of examples of people who went, oh, I've retired. I think I want to move to Florida because I grew up and I lived in the Midwest and it gets cold in the winter and I don't like that anymore. And they move and realize that they've lost connections to friends and activities and doctors and hairdressers and barbers and fill in the blank. And so if you really map out your connectedness on a daily basis and realize that some of your decisions may affect those, it's a good idea to recognize what that map might look like. So, and again, in the book, we've got that map drawn to help you think about it. What do you think about people moving to where their children are? I think that's, a great idea if, in fact, they've taken into account all the possible implications of that. So, for example, we have in our book and on our website a critical decisions matrix that helps take these key elements and relate them to every decision, a complex decision like that that you want to make. So there's benefits of moving to where your children are. There may be things that aren't beneficial to you. And 
just making sure, again, you think about them in a holistic way is important. Ann and I, for example, my wife and I, the first house we bought, we bought from a couple who moved to where their children were. They built their retirement home, and then the children moved. And they had to decide, do they stay in this nice retirement home that they built, or do they follow the children? They chose to follow the children. So there's a lot of complexity there. And what we argue for is make a holistic decision. And again, we've created a very simple matrix to use to relate that decision making to all of the key elements and help you do that. That's great. Because I have heard of people moving to where their children are, and then their children get another job and they move and then the parents are angry that they move. Yeah, not uncommon. I mean, another example is we interviewed a couple that built a retirement home in Hilton Head. And on that retirement home, they put a couple of wings on the home because for each of their children and, and spouses and grandchildren, and then realized that those are young families. They, ha- they don't have the time, the finances, whatever, to come down all the time. And so Here they were in this big retirement home in Hilton Head with very infrequent visits from from the kids. So one more thing, and I, I keep throwing things in here that we have available, but I think they've stood the test of time. Another thing that people can look up on our site is what we call crucial conversations. These are conversations that can be helpful for retirees or pre retirees to have not only with their spouse or partner, but with close friends, adult children, aging parents to make sure that everybody understands what the retirement plans and expectations might be so that there are minimal surprises. Getting ahead of all those things uh, typically is helpful as opposed to find out later that, again, the kids moved or they're not going to travel to Hilton Head or whatever that might be. So having the crucial conversations is also a key part of retirement planning from our perspective. Excellent advice. Let me go back to this connectedness thing because there's two of the key elements giving back and connectedness that have a surprisingly significant effect on our longevity and quality of life. And this has been demonstrated in lots of research. If you take quitting smoking out of the equation, which on average affects an individual's longevity by 12 and a half years, the next two things that affect longevity are your attitude and your connectedness. Attitude is about seven years, and connectedness is just short of that. So we can come back and talk attitude a little bit later, but on this connectedness thing, what that means is that it's been demonstrated over and over again is that the depth of our personal relationship is very important to, again, our longevity and quality of life. Well, how do you deal with that considering that most of us have our relationships coming from work. Yes, and and one of the risks that we cover in our workshops is is that people who may show up today as your friend turn out to be a colleague or a work acquaintance, and, and when you retire, that might be gone. Now, it might not be. There may be folks at work that are your friends, and let me tell you how we think about friends in this context. We call them 2 o'clock in the morning friends. So a 2 o'clock in the morning friend is somebody who, if you needed help, you would have no qualms about calling them at 2 o'clock in the morning, and without question, they would be on the way to you to help you. This could be a friend, a family member, or whatever, and then vice versa. They would do the same for you. And frequently, people that we work with that we may even go out with them socially and whatever, 
don't turn out to be those two o'clock in the morning friends uh, that we have either during work or or after we retire. And it's important that the, the number of these kinds of friends that people have have been going down over time. Uh, not surprisingly, it, the consensus is it has a lot to do with social media and it has a lot to do with families not all living in the same area anymore. We have a much more mobile society. So are you saying that if I could text somebody at 2 o'clock in the morning and they would text me back, that's not necessarily a 2 a.m. friend? It's actually showing right, up in my exactly. house. Yeah, this, this is not your number of Facebook friends. No? This is like oh, darn. The, the number of people who you would and could call in the middle of the night and say, I need your help. I mean, an example of that, there is no doubt, I now live in St. Louis. Keith Lawrence, my friend and co-author, lives in Cincinnati. And there is no doubt in my mind that if I needed his help and I called him at 2 o'clock in the morning with no questions asked, he would get in a car and be to me in five hours. Wow, but he was Uh, a work friend. He started out from work, right? Started out from work, but that was an example where it was sustained over time. Do you have any advice for people who don't have a 2 a.m. friend? Yes, the advice is to think about who among your acquaintances are people where you would like to nurture that relationship and be very overt about nurturing that relationship until you develop that person into a two o'clock in the morning friend. One of the things that we have found is is that in general, and I emphasize in general, men have a more difficult time transitioning into retirement than women do. And one of the reasons is that men have, again, in general, a more difficult time developing this level of friendship outside of work. And then when, the again, the work goes away, they may lose those people who were, again, colleagues versus, versus friends. There, there's a high school classmate of mine uh, that when I moved back to St. Louis, he and I started going to lunch together periodically. And we have increase the frequency of that. We're working on some projects together and and that sort of thing. And and there's no doubt in my mind now, s- several years later, after I after we started this relationship building, that I could call him in the middle of the night and, and he would be on the way to me and vice versa. There's a, a conscious nurturing that needs to go on. And it's not too late. Yes. In fact, the opportunity is while you're still working is to begin to develop those relationships while you're still working. So when you make the transition, you do that with your list of two o'clock in the morning friends. And again, that brings up another concept that we highly recommend, and that's the concept of practicing retirement. Practicing retirement means once you've spent some time thinking about what you want your retirement to look like, bring as much of that into your life as you can while you're still working. And there are a lot of reasons to do that, and maybe we can talk about that another time, but this building relationships is one of those. Of uh, So, again, the transition becomes much smoother as you enter enter retirement. So let me check and see. Is that making sense, Kathy? It absolutely is, and... I was thinking you had said earlier that connectedness and something else uh, has to do with how long you will live and how healthy you will be. What was that something else? Attitude. It's one of the other key elements. Why don't we talk about that now? Sure. That'd be great. One of the things that is inevitable is that as part of what comes along with retirement is aging. As we age into and through retirement, there are a lot of things that change that challenge our resiliency. And one of the things that helps us be resilient is our attitude. Uh, Do we look at things from a positive standpoint or a negative standpoint? 
the example that we use, you're familiar with Winnie the Pooh, right? Absolutely. So who in Winnie the Pooh has a very positive attitude? Um, I would say that's the little animal that bounces on his tail called Tigger. Tigger, right. Tigger is a very positive, upbeat character. And the flip side of Tigger is Eeyore, right? The donkey. Absolutely. And- I had a, uh, a an ex-boyfriend who loved Eeyore, and he was kind of like Eeyore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the things that we suggest is, and apparently you already did this, is if you have a lot of Eeyores in your life that are dragging you down, part of your positive attitude is minimizing your time with Eeyores, right? So, Well, sometimes you can't, but, um, you know, if they're a family member, right, you have to spend time with them. Exactly. There are some limitations here. But that, that being said, uh, and again, this is research-based, and you know, we can walk through some examples of how people have demonstrated this, but generally... On average, people who who would be viewed by the people around them as having a positive attitude live on average seven years longer than people who have a negative attitude. Wow, that's a big difference. It's big. It's huge, and it's it's because we are we're more resilient. We're more likely to uh, take uh, if if there's an issue that comes into our life, we're more likely to you know meet it head on and to recognize it and not deny it and not you know, moan about it, but work on resolving that issue. That's part of what comes with attitude. Uh, Another part of attitude for me is uh, we all know people around us who are predisposed to say no to new opportunities. You know, well, yeah, I've got so much to do. I don't think I'm going to take that on. But there are other people who go like, I'm predisposed to say, yeah, sure, I'll try that. And to the extent that we get more engaged in life by being predisposed to say yes, which is part of attitude, then the the higher the engagement in life, the more both quality of life and longevity plays out. So attitude and connectedness are both very important to our well-being. I guess it all it all kind of fits together. Again, let me check uh, on the sanity meter. Does that make sense to you? It really does. And unfortunately, we're coming up to the end of our interview. So... For the listeners who want to get all 10, you're going to have to first, you can download the freebie, but you may wind up buying the book as well. So, but before we get to that, there are two questions that I like to ask all of my guests. And the first one is, what do you think people should know before they retire? Now, many of these things we've already talked about, but if you had to choose one thing, what would it be? Retirement can, will, should be a very, very positive experience, but it takes some effort. We talk about the five myths of retirement. One myth is, is that retirement is easy. It takes some effort. And so the one thing I would suggest is, is that you enter retirement with a plan, a written plan for what you want to do to meaningfully spend your time. Great advice. Thank you. Okay, now the second question is, let's say somebody didn't read your book. They didn't hear this podcast until they'd been retired for, let's say, five years. They're stuck. What advice would you give that person? Ask themselves the question, what did they love to do when they were 10 years old? And when you identify what that is, figure out a way to bring that into your life now. We have found that to be a very powerful question because when we're 10 years old or thereabouts, 
we're old enough to choose things that we like to do and to know what those things are. Uh, but we haven't yet gotten farther along in life where a lot of those passions and desires and things have have kind of gone by the wayside as we build families and careers and all the other things that get in our way in life. And so if you can spend some time thinking about what is it I really loved to do when I was 10 years old, for me it was baseball and books. Okay. I had a book in my hand or a bat in my hand, I was happy, and I'm writing books and playing baseball in retirement. And so I think that might be a way for people to rekindle the spark, find out what that is, and then go out and find a way to bring that into your life today. Great. Well, thank you so much. Now, if somebody wants to reach out and contact you, how do they do it? They can go to our website, yourretirementquest.com, and there's a contact uh, page on there, and that'll give you our email address, and you can get in touch that way. I think that's probably the best way to do it. Okay, great. And what if someone wants to buy your book? Is it available on Amazon or do they have to go to your website or how do they get your book? It's available on Amazon. Again, your retirement quest. And yeah, if they get on Amazon and just search for that, it'll come up. And we're very proud that since we published this in 2010, we've consistently been in the top 1% of of Amazon sales. So uh, there's a lot of folks out there looking for it. And uh, we'd be glad to have you be another one of those. Wonderful. Well, thanks again. And for my listeners, you can get that freebie, the 10 key elements of a fulfilling retirement at rockyourretirement.com slash not money. So that's rockyourretirement.com slash N-O-T-M-O-N-E-Y. And thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We hope that you got a lot of value out of this interview. Our guest was so great. I loved Alan, the way that he explained some of the 10 keys. And we'll probably have him on again, you know, maybe in a year or two. So thanks a lot. And we'll see you next week on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. My name is Barbara Lippert, and I'm here to help make your retirement more enjoyable. After using Arbonne's pure, safe, and beneficial products with awesome results, I became a consultant. My goal is to help others have a healthy retirement. Check out my website, barbaralippert.arbonne.com. Then email me at babsbiz at sbcglobal.net or call me at 858-775-7765. Use the word healthy to get 20 to 40% off. If you can't afford prevention, you'll never afford disease. Oh, wait. I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. 
You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show. And when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye!